Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Hey, hey, ho, ho. Welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, right here in beautiful downtown Drakeit. Uh, there you go. And with me all the way across the pond in the land of the where they speak funny language because they use lots of letters and the true Welch names. He is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parsons. Yo. You know, what's up with all that? I mean, they, they add all these they add all these letters to their names. I mean, you look at you know, some of these words, and I mean, there's one that's like uh, twenty-seven Th- letters. Why a pushwind gets go get it through? Put up by scientists or go go go. That one. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Was created, that was created in the Victorian um, railway era to make a very little town uh, station halt in North Wales on the island of Anglesey into something uh, important in the tourist destination. Ah. Uh, aha. See, but it is actually the longest place name in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I watch uh, Midsummer's Murders, and uh, they went to Wales uh, on one of the cases, and when they came in, they they said, you know, welcome to Wales, and then they said the, all the Welsh stuff underneath, and it was yeah. like, whoa, I can't even understand it. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, all our road signs are uh, are all bisexual, and um, yeah. all of the all of the posts we get. All the, Not you know, that there's the cat, anything wrong with that. From the local authority, it's all you know. It's all let's say, yeah. So we we had an interesting example of that the other week. We had a the local authority sent us a circular around about uh, environmental sort of recycling and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> It was printed in two languages, so it was twice. It was twenty-six pages instead of thirteen, and it was advocating saving paper by recycling. <laughs> That's a good one. When we have yeah. uh, we we have most of our instructions in in the U.S., we have to have it in twenty-seven different languages just because yeah. we have to be politically correct. But anyways, joining us now is someone who I had the pleasure to meet several times, and. She is an author. She's written two books, and she is also um, a very smart person, a very <laughs> lovely person. She is Wendy Redden. Thank you, Ron. That was very sweet of you. Oh, that's no problem. And you also have another. Oh, you're such a smoothie. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. He's like he's like a butter slick. <laughs> yep. So, Wendy, you have had a, a, a diverse uh, background. You, yeah. you have studied, uh, well, what, what have you studied? <laughs> what haven't I studied? Um, I've got uh, a degree in professional writing from Emerson, and I've also got a master's degree in medieval history from the University of Reading in England. And what I really love is the deaths of popes, how they died, when they died, where they died. And I wrote a book called The Deaths of the Popes, Comprehensive Accounts, Including Funerals, Burial Places, and Epitaphs, which came out in 2004. And that's just what I really love, is dead popes. Yeah. They're so much fun. 
Yeah, we. If for those who didn't see Wendy or listen to Wendy, she was on uh, one of the video productions of Ghost Chronicles: Next Generation. If you go mm -hmm. check the archives, you can check her out there and check out the book and and some of the discussion we talked about. And you'll be up at uh, Spirit Quest on September twenty third through the twenty fifth as well, talking about. Yes, I will. At, yes, I will. Yep, Spirit Quest, Angels and Demons, and you will be talking about the deaths of Pope and Popes, and you will have a papal death mask, which is yes. beautiful. Yes, of our good friend Pius IX. Ah, I could never remember who the hell it was. Yes, Pius IX. Yeah, so, but you also have another life as well, besides your, your scholar, you know, being the scholar. <laughs> Yes, I actually I teach pole dancing lessons. Um, I own Gypsy Rose Pole Dancing Lessons in Austin, and we teach pole dancing and chair dancing and floor dancing and all kinds of fun stuff like that. And we do bachelorette parties and birthday parties and girls' night out. Um, because back in the day in Los Angeles, I was a stripper. And then, uh, although it was only supposed to be for three months, look at me now. So now I basically teach it. I teach it to women that want to learn how to feel sexier. <laughs> so that's what I do. I can see where this show is headed. <laughs> what, what, you can? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, speaking with you at this minute. Um, see, you, you, uh, put Ron in, you put Ron in with, a, with when we have a female guest, particularly the... And he just goes to pieces. <laughs> Unless it's Derek Akora. Well, I was going to say there is an exception. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways... Uh, Poor Focus, Steve. Ron. Focus. I am. I'm focusing very well here. I I, I feel bad for you because you weren't able to see the uh, you know the video I posted. Oh 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 oh! I have. I have. Okay. I've just, yeah. I've, I've, I'm up to. I, I sent you a little note saying I'm up to speed with the video. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not looking over there. Oh no, yeah. I've got it. yeah. I got it. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, so you're you're completely distracted now, aren't you? I am. I am also writing yeah. a blog at the same time, so, you know, it's... Well, different. you're supposed to be doing the radio show. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm doing everything. That's my problem. Uh, but, Eddie, Wendy, you uh, you were also on My Ghost Story. How did that come yeah. about? Um, that came about because I was watching My Ghost Story one day, and they had a picture of a ghost on there. And I looked at it and thought, oh, that's nothing. This is my ghost. So I sent them in um, a couple of clips of the spirits that I had in my studio in Quincy. And they they thought it was really interesting, so they flew me out to Los Angeles, and um, we did the show. That's cool. Yeah, and it was my, pretty cool. Yeah, my ghost is better than your ghost. I understand. It's that pretty much, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> yep. Now, I was like, oh, please. These these ghosts are really in the forms of light anomalies, correct? Yes. I, so I don't know if they're ghosts or spirits or what, but they've got some kind of an intelligence because. They will go around things. They go around me. They'll stop in midair, go another direction. Um, it's pretty crazy. Like they weren't always there either, because I would tape myself when I was dancing, and I would get nothing. I'd watch it and get, and because I, I wasn't looking for anything. Mm -hmm. And then one day I did a dance, and I was watching it, and one of them shot through, and I was like, "What the? What was that?" And the more I taped in that particular in our, in our poll room, um, the more we've gotten. I've got literally thousands of clips from all different cameras. And it's it's pretty crazy because they're it's neat. It, they're different kinds, and they there's like you know five or six different ones that have different personalities, and they fly the same way and the same speed. And there's a vertical one, and there's one I named him Ralph, and he just looks like a big W, and it's it's pretty neat. Mm -hmm. And and I was able to uh, 
come down and investigate your studio, yeah. which I enjoyed very much. Uh, Jeff Belanger was with us, yep. and Maureen, of course, and mm-hmm. um, another gentleman who was a particle engineer was also with us. And and we did, in all fairness, try to duplicate some of these mm-hmm. things by kicking dust up and other things, but uh, mm-hmm. we could not totally duplicate uh, any of these strange strange light anomalies. And, yeah. They're fun to watch, no matter what. I mean, certainly the yeah. way they they whiz around the pole at times, and uh, you know they they come out when you you dance, which you mm-hmm. know would kind of like, yeah. Yeah, and they don't tip either. I don't care what dimension you you're in. If you're watching tip. me, you tip. Mm-hmm. But exactly. They don't tip. But uh, in fact, uh, our our uh, case is in Ghost Chronicles, the first book. Uh, we wrote a chapter on that. Which I will give you, by the way, up at oh. uh, Spur Quest. Thank you. If you, that would be if lovely. You remind, if you remind me, of course. Oh, all right. Yeah. What? You're just going to rip the chapter out of a book? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need I need the restaurant for my my uh, coffee table. I can only have it so much. It's a little tall on one side. So if I rip that chapter up, it should be just about the right height. Yeah. Uh huh. With that. <clears throat> so. You, you originally, when I met you, you were in one studio, right? Yes, I was in my Quincy studio, yep. Yeah. And, and I then to, I moved. Hmm? Yeah, I have to admit, it was it was uh, rather humorous because um, I didn't tell Maureen where we were going, as I never do. And mm-hmm. uh, we, we to this brick building, it was like a, a factory, or right? Yep. And then we started going up these stairs, and then we came across like a little feather bower, and then some yeah. other. <laughs> and it got more interesting as we got closer and closer. So, yep. uh, yeah, Maureen had no clue. That was an uh, interesting, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Steve, uh, do you have uh, uh, pole dancing ghost in the UK? We have pole dancing. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly don't know of any pole dancing ghosts. It was, it's weird, like, because I would, when I would dance and watch them, the way they would move around people and move around the poles, but they never went through the poles. Mm-hmm. I actually have one, when I went to my Boston studio, I moved to my Boston studio, and they followed me very distinctly, the same ones. And one of them, I've got a video of it, I don't know if I showed you that one, Ron, where it actually bounces into the pole. It, like, it's not paying attention, and it goes into the pole, it actually bounces off the pole. Oh, so cool. It was, it was probably distracted. Yeah, a bit, a, bit like, a bit like Ron's being tonight. I mean, you know, I've got this video on loop play. Um, I can't see anything paranormal. Uh, I can't see. I, I, no. You know, I focus as I might on the dancer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't see anything paranormal at all. Is there anything paranormal in the video? I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm watching in, in this my lady. Life, the light anomalies I gave you. What light head. anomalies? I'm just watching that there's a... So no, I can't see it. I, I'm completely. There's, um, there's several light on. I including a big blue. There t- um, well, uh, I'll take your word for it. I, I mean, I'm staring fixedly at the middle of the screen, and I can't see anything. Paranormal. That's a shame. That's a shame. Anyway, I'm very two, picky too two about large this. orbs, but yeah, I think light anomalies are orbs. You need definition of. I can certainly give you one if you'd like. Light anomaly is an orb. But like uh, I'm very picky looks about like this too. a pair too. of butt cheeks to me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like when I get videos of the spooks, as I call them, um, if they're just like, like just kind of 
drifting, then to me, that's that could be dust. So unless they actually move around or go around a corner or make oh, a sudden these, stop these going in a direction. Round and round that pole, up and down the pole, round the pole. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, then I, then I count it as something, but I'm very picky about it. That's not a problem. And one of the interesting, most interesting videos that I saw from you and uh, I found it very intriguing was the dark shadow. Now, uh, it's, uh, do you remember, I don't know if you remember this one, Wendy, but she was taping her routine once again, like she normally does. And there were some light, lighter normalities on there. But during the, the filming, it looked like a person walking below the the camera and this dark shadow just like somebody was ducking low and just went through it and you were by yourself huh. at the time so i found yeah. that intriguing uh yeah um it's i've there's been one time when i felt that there was like a negative presence and it was mm. funny because my dance my my students could feel it too i didn't tell them anything but one particular corner of the studio in boston um there was like one of my poles there, and one girl particularly always danced on that pole, and she's like, it's weird over here. I can't do anything over here today. And another student of mine who's very sensitive was just like, yeah, there's something there. And so I did, you know, the salt and the cleansing and the holy oil and prayers and stuff, and because, like, I will not have you in my studio. I'm too Catholic for that. Um, but it was weird. We could feel something negative, and then we could, it was, we could feel it lifting after we did the prayers and said, tell, told it to get out. Um, but I think I know who it came in on, um, a girl that was particularly had very bad energy around her. But that was crazy. And the, the black thing, that was weird, too. Like, I don't – I didn't feel anything negative when that happened, but mm-hmm. it was just weird because they're, they're always white or blue, or sometimes they're even pink. Mm-hmm. And I get yellow ones, too, but I've never had black ones, really, except for that one time. Right. At, when I was there, actually, with you, uh, there was another spirit, and I don't think he was normally there when uh, – you normally did it, but Maureen thought that he was actually a, a large black transvestite. Who, yeah, that's what she said. Uh, yeah, who had a liking for me. So, um, <laughs> well, let's make yeah. a change from your normal gravity fitness, Ron. Yeah, isn't it? Huh? <laughs> so it, it's Are definitely. You should be careful of that shoulder, though. <laughs> <laughs> I did bless my uh, car very doused it in holy water actually before I left. Just, to, just saying. Not that I have anything against anything, uh, yeah. but it did. Anyway, so you, you moved studios, and these uh, light anomalies went with you. Yep. yep, they did. And then they were doing some construction on our building, because the building I moved into was a really old building on Boylston Street, 364, and right down by the Public Garden. And when they started doing construction, I got more of them. And then I had, um, oh, what's his name? You know him, Sam... Sim Baltusis actually came in and did an investigation, too. And, I mean, his book, Ghosts of Boston, and he had thought that a lot of the new spirits were from the Coconut Grove fire, which is, is, is actually located where across where I parked my car every day, which I didn't realize. So the oh, parking really? garage I used, yeah, across from that was where the Coconut Grove fire is. And he said that they they attached onto me because they knew, like, you know, I taught dancing and it was fun, everybody was laughing, and they wanted to, they wanted to finish their night. So they wanted to have a good night. So I didn't even realize it. Um, I didn't even know was a medium, so that's that's a yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he gave me some some interesting insights um, about so that. Steve, that he thought it was them. Steve, do you know what the coconut grove fire is? By the way, I have. I, I, yes, actually, I have heard of it. Um, okay. I yeah. I did some reading prior to I think my very first visit over there, um, and that was one of the things that I happened upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, they just made uh, apartments over it, over the um, where it is now, mm-hmm. and they took this plaque off the off of the uh, sidewalk. 
which a lot of people are upset about. You know what's interesting, Wendy, too, speaking of mm -hmm. the coconut grove fire, is, uh, is I know a couple gentlemen who were uh, exterminators. That's what they did. They went, and, and I don't know if you know this, but, uh, yeah, Boston has some rats. <clears throat> yeah, one or two. <laughs> one or two. <laughs> so they used to, they, I guess they either went into the building uh, that it was next to the coconut grove fire or, or in the same location. I, I can't remember the exact details, but uh, all they remembered was, you know, how they went there in the basement and how they just wanted to get out of there so badly. Wow. You just get out of it. And they didn't realize until afterwards where they were speaking to someone where they were. But, uh, yeah, they were, They just, you know, hightailed out of there. They, they worked, yeah. I believe, for the city, and that's what they, they did. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, there's a, a lot of deaths. And, you know, for those who don't know the Coconut Grove, it was a famous nightclub that uh, a lot of people died in the fire. Almost 500, I think. Yeah. Almost 500 people. I, I don't know the, the number, but it was a huge amount, which is the reason why we have doors that open outward in the U.S. And that was because of that. They passed legislation after that because the, the doors would open in and the people pressing against the doors, they couldn't open the doors. Uh, uh, that's why so many died in that. So that's why yeah. they changed that law. So, so, so and I, I was happy to hear that if that's who they were coming over. Um, it was great because it's the way they dance around and go around the poles and stuff. It's 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 neat and because it's not me. There's nothing special about me. It's just the fact that there's like happy energy in the studio and everybody's laughing and having a good time that they are attracted to. That's all I think anyway. Anybody so, spotted the similarity between coconut palms and poles? Oh, uh, because coconut because yeah, yeah, the coconut yeah. grove part um, was uh, <laughs> didn't it have some uh, artificial palm trees inside. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, and wondering. I've got you know boas and all kinds of tacky tacky um, decoration and stuff in my place, too, so not as much, you know, um, incendiary stuff, but, you know, yeah. it's all tacky and decorated and everything, so yeah. they might have liked that. Well, that's a night out for us, sorted, Ron. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. anyway. Hey, thanks to change was last time you took me to Hooters. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, you said you wanted to go to an owl sanctuary. I did. <laughs> Actually, funny story. My very first trip to the U.S., we went to – we were in the south in um, Mississippi, and um, we went for a night out. One of, the, one of the guys that was with us – this is how this story of the Owl Sanctuary came about. One of the guys that was with us was quite, should we say, prudish and wouldn't get involved in that sort of um, gentleman's night out. So we took him to – we said, well, right, we're going out to a place called Hooters. He said, What's it? don't worry, it's an Owl Sanctuary. <laughs> They have lots of fluffy owls for you to look at. Yeah, they nice. Go. Nice. Yeah, but anyway, so Wendy, how yeah. do your uh, your students feel about this? They they of course know the stories about you and everything else. Does yeah. That, uh, um. Well, when I tell my parties and stuff before you know before I do bachelor parties, birthday parties, that you know I've got spirits in here, but they're good. They're not going to follow you home. They just like the dancing and stuff. And ninety-five percent of people are like, "Oh, that's really cool. We love it." Um, and there, there are some that it freaks them out. So then I might say, oh, I'm just kidding, you know, because I don't want to freak anybody out. But whatever they are, they're good. Um, and they just like being around positive people and laughing and having a good time. But most people are okay with it. Um, so it, there are some that, that get scared. But for the most part, people are, think it's really neat. And do your students uh, sense anything or, or feel anything or have any 
you know? Um, uh, if they're sensitive, they will, but sometimes they will build, if they're like a medium or whatever, they'll tell me. But a lot of them get the spirits in their cameras, too, and when they take videos and films and stuff, and, and um, cameras and pictures, they'll get them. And I'll look at it, because, like, again, if it just floats down or something, it's not very distinct, then it could be dust. Because a lot of times, you can see the dust flying through the camera, the light of the camera, and you can see at the same time, and it's obviously dust. So I'm very critical as to if something is definitely a spirit. But if it's a spirit, it, it'll stop and go another way or just do something totally the dust can't do. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of them, they think they have them on there, but I'll be like, no, that was dust. You know, some very, I'm the first one who's going to be skeptical about what anything that, that I get on camera here. Like, I don't think everything is a ghost. That's a good thing. Yeah, no, I'm not, not at all. I don't think. Wait a minute, let me test. Oh! No, I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, the, the thing about orbs, of course, and, and, and there are so many natural uh, explanations for orbs, and mm-hmm. yet there are so many people that that believe they are much more than that. And that's the difficult thing that I have to wrestle with because in investigating the paranormal, and I'm sure uh, Mr. Parson will agree with me on this, and when investigating the paranormal, the eyewitness test story is important uh, to the investigation. Yes, the eyewitness testimony is crucial to the investigation because it's, it's the basis of the entire investigation process. Exactly. So, I mean, when you have somebody who feels so passionate about what an orb or a light normally is, it's hard to just totally discount it. Uh, What's strange, too, is that... But no, no, that I have... discount the belief or the, the ideas of the witness. I mean, the fact that somebody believes in something doesn't intrinsically make it true. Um, oh, that's true. But it doesn't... You know, but their belief, you know, you can't discount that simply because you don't agree with somebody's belief. Because, you know, that would be cynical, that would be wrong. You, you have to remind, remain open-minded and fair and respectful of people's beliefs, even though that they're, you know, that they're not necessarily your own. However, as, a, as an investigator, you should seek the truth. And truth is separate from belief because somebody just because somebody believes something is the case doesn't necessarily mean it is the case well to them it is a, a lot of spirits in the studio have different shapes to them like they're not just round orbs so mm-hmm. would the the ones that have the different shapes would those be considered orbs too even though they're not orb shaped well yeah i mean uh, all of the classical literature that describes orbs um, and interactions oh, with this orbs. classical literature on orbs now. <coughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, there, there is, there is, classical there are literature on orbs, okay. All of the classical literature include. I mean, there are several books on the, on the shelf here that, that relate to orbs, and they describe, you know, many different forms, many different shapes, many different colours, mm-hmm. uh, groupings, uh, appearances, disappearances, and interactions with orbs. But they, they've given them this broad label. Uh, mm-hmm. I, one of the, I mean, it's it's a misnomer anyway because an orb is a three-dimensional object, and they only mm-hmm. yeah, we we only have images of them in two dimensions in terms mm-hmm. of photography and video, which is two-dimensional. So, in actual fact, the description orb is assuming that they're three-dimensional when it, what we're actually seeing in is is flat objects. And what if you display. actually saw it with your eyes? What would what would that? Well, people can people can and do. Um, you know, people. So, isn't that three-dimensional? 
that would be three-dimensional when you see it with your own eyes. However, what we're referring to when we're talking about videos and photography, um, be it in the media or presented evidence, it's a photograph, and that's a two-dimensional... Um, True. I, I agree. I agree. And, and, and Wendy, uh, have you mm-hmm. ever seen them with your eyes? I have a couple of times, but then again, I'm not sure that it was just something out of the corner of my eye. Um, so I think I have, but I can't be certain that it was an orb, because um, they mostly get them um, you know, on the cameras and stuff. Um, but I'll say something out of the corner of my eye, and it'll be gone. But in my Boston studio, there was a shadow figure. And uh, my students saw him, too. And he, would, he never came into the actual studio, but he was in my little lobby area. And you'd look, and he'd be gone. Like, one time I saw him bending over my desk. Um, and, was, like, I'd see him, and he'd look and be gone. But it was definitely a dark figure of a man. But I didn't feel it was evil or anything. It was just, I felt like he was somebody who'd been there a long time, a custodian or something. But that was, that was pretty interesting. I never got any pictures of him, but where my students saw him, too, that was really, that was something else. Yeah, here we go, eyewitness testimony again, which is the yeah. part of investigation. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing uh, in in what you have here, it, and I, I have to ask you now: When you go home, have you ever like captured uh, any of these light anomalies at home? Yeah, I have quite a lot actually. Um, yeah, and you know, again, I'm making sure it's not dust. And I'm thinking, you know, why are you home with me? There's nothing exciting here. I am boring. I am well, dull. No, based on that video, I, I, I could think of several good reasons to follow some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's yeah. now? Who's smooth now? Um, yeah, but who's distracted, I think, huh? I think um, actually, I don't know if, if this is even probably laughing, but I have pet rats. They're domestic rats. And mm-hmm. when I introduced a couple of pet, uh, new rats to my other rats, I filmed it, and there were quite a few of the little orbs and it wasn't dust. Like, they were, like, moving in different directions and up and around. So I don't know if that was the spirits of my past rats or what, but that was, that was really interesting to see, like, nice. little spirits moving around when the Those new rats are introduced. Rats. I like that one. Oh, it's not uncommon. I mean, you know, we've got ghosts, ducks, hens, chickens. I think most animals. Yeah. We have a, yeah, go, yeah, I know. It's just, most, I've most never heard pets. of ghost rats. I mean, that's... that's it, it's, it, actually, it's a new one on me, but, you know, it's yeah. not beyond Well, the yeah, they're, they're my babies. And, you know, and I, so I think that a lot of them, the spirits or whatever that were in my studio might have been the rats, um, I'm assuming, because there's certainly nothing, like you said, exciting about me. And I think the reason that the spirits go to the studio is because of everybody else laughing, having a good time, because, again, there's nothing thrilling about me at all. Um, right. And yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Good. You know, I actually, you're not going to believe this, but we're actually running out of time. But uh, okay. you will be coming to Spirit Quest September 23rd through the 25th, yep. and yep. you will be talking about uh, the deaths of uh, popes. And, and that's, yep. it's an intriguing subject because it, when you start uh, doing some research on it, there, there's a lot of interesting way these poor... Uh, oh, I could tell died. you stories. Oh, it's, you, can't, you can't make that stuff up, how some of them died. Yeah, you can't make thing. it up. Uh, you know, I they mean, should make a miniseries on that, really. They, <laughs> they need a musical. They, they, they the entire 10th century. The they did? Uh, well, not, not specifically about how, Pope, you know, how the popes died, but, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, obviously a lot of them were involved in different intrigues in, for example, the Medicis and the, the others. Yeah. Um, yeah, there have been TV series made about them. Um, but yeah, the I, I, I'm, I'm really fascinated. One of the great fascinations for me was when I visited Rome. Um, you know, we went up to the Vatican and oh, yeah. it was supposed to be a one afternoon visit uh, whilst we were there for the three or four days. And it turned into, well, three or four days at the Vatican yeah. um, because it's just such a, a 
an entrancing place. You know, you walk. Oh, yeah. You, you know it's going to be spectacular because you've seen photographs, but nothing can prepare you for the majesty and the, the oh, effect yeah. that walking into uh, St. Peter's and the Vatican, and because you can go down well, to visit the Pope's tomb. Well, you just about killed the time of the show since I... Get, Good, because you can go down and visit the Pope's tombs while oh, yeah. you're there. Yeah, well, well we got to say goodbye to Wendy. So, Wendy, if somebody wanted to reach you, how could they do it? Uh, they can email me at wjreardon at gmail.com. All right. Bye, Wendy. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. It is, is not right, what it bye. appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. That's not our intro. We got a brand new exit. What the heck? What? Man, I've got to yell at these guys. What? Yeah, we've got a new out. A new commercial for Spirit Quest. And, ah, man, totally wasted. All right. Okay. Carry on. We'll, we'll do an advert for Spirit Quest and then I'll interrupt That's you. Late now. Okay. Apparently, they're going to talk to Eric. Yeah, right, so. Yeah. Get him here now. We want to talk to Eric, whoever Eric is. Um, yeah, so welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International without the new Spirit Quest trailer. Uh, heads will roll. Um, and our guest, before the break, we were talking about pole dancing ghosts, which is certainly... With beautiful. Wendy Ruin. Reardon. R-E-A-R-D-O-N. Yeah. And so Wendy she... can be reached by... Ooh. Bye. Bye. Where are you going? Well, no, you, we've, we've talked over the... Cheers. Yeah, over the... Um, yeah, so people need to get in touch with her. 
Gypsy Rose, Gypsy Rose Studio. Uh, check it out. Uh, anyways, you can just Google her on on Facebook and uh, or, I mean on the uh, internet some, and yeah, some good videos, some excellent videos. And she does. She's done a couple of interviews, and you can also check out our shows at uh, ebctv.org, and you can see the total total video of her on the show. Uh, come and visit her at SpiritQuest too, which is uh, September 23rd through the 29th. You can find out more information at anyghostproject.com. The letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. There you go. So anyway. Nice. Today's Whew. show is brought to you by the word... Bollocks. Hot Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I was, still thinking about I was still thinking about orbs for a moment then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I knew you'd appreciate that. You know I love them. I know you do. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, a haunting. I have, yeah. actually, I have, I have actually... When you, you did that to me here, deliberately, didn't you? When you come over here, I have irredisputable proof that orbs... Oh, yeah. I am. What? Okay. Well, it, well, they do exist. I don't doubt for one second that orbs as a phenomena exist. I've seen hundreds of thousands of pictures of them. Of course they exist. But people have seen them through the years. Wisp of oh, Willow and uh, de de Devil's de Lights de and de all kinds of strange things. Well, read the paper. Anyway, the word of the week brought to you by the Encyclopedia of Psychic Science yes. is haunting. A disturbance of a supernormal character attributed to the spirits of the dead. Traditional company by Orbs. Yeah. Tradition is that this book was written before Orbs existed. Tradition awesome. established two main factors in haunting, an old house and a restlessness of spirit. The first represents an unbroken link with the past. The second is believed to be caused by remorse over an evil life or by sh the shock of a violent death. The manifestations vary greatly. In most cases, strange noises are heard alone. In others, objects are displaced. Lights are seen. Light, light anomalies. A chillness is felt in the atmosphere. And not infrequently, an unbearable stench pervades the room. Really? Oh. What was that? That was paranormal. It wasn't the Japanese woman again from last week, was it? <laughs> no, there was no Japanese woman. So he does mention light lights in there, doesn't he? Um, yeah. I, be I believe so. Lights are seen, visual effects. Well, that's been reported. Yeah, well, lights being seen in hauntings, um, associated with hauntings, has been... What is that noise? Has been seen. It's actually for, a Pararex chat room. Oh, has been seen for, um, has been reported since at least the 17th century uh, that I'm aware of in cases. So, I mean, it is a fairly commonly reported characteristic of a haunting, as are smells, objects, movement, touches, which we which we would not put down as a haunting today. Um, there, is this there is this desire in modern investigators to separate poltergeists from hauntings when in actual fact, uh, and as the dictionary shows, what you're dealing with is more likely to be a continuum because within poltergeist cases like, such as Enfield, um, 
and others that we're uh, noting. How, we, how do we define poltergeist cases is different than hauntings? I, I don't know. Well, poltergeist, we, well, it's a relatively modern separation between the two. I mean, if you go back to the 1920s and 30s, for example, Price used the term interchangeably, poltergeist um, for ghost or haunting. Noisy ghost, doesn't that what it means? It, that's ghost? all. That literally all it means. So, and if you look at the sort of phenomena that are that are traditionally ascribed to the poltergeist, um, this this of making things happen. They are, you know, they they throw things, they t- they move things, they make noises. They are a racketing ghost. If you look at hauntings, um, you have many of those same components. You also have apparitions linked to hauntings, the appearance of the white lady or the, the, the shadowy figure. All the way but back to Greece, right? The, the but they're also, of the change, right? Exactly. But they're also linked in with poltergeist. If you look at Enfield, there was the manifestation of the figure. Um, you So you have... It's more of a continuum, and this modern idea of separating the two into classifications and pigeonholing that is a haunting, that is a poltergeist, is actually uh, is actually misleading. There is also a much there's also a much more modern uh, twist on the poltergeist, which is to assume and presume, and this has come from the media and social media, that poltergeists are are evil um, and in you know vindictive, nasty things. What if you know? In actual fact, they just you know they just go about their business in a noisier way than your standard ghost. They are a noisy ghost, which is what the which is what the name um, it means. You have like, for instance, the drummer of uh, in, the drummer in the Tedworth. Ted, Tedworth. Tedworth. That's right. Yeah, I think that was probably the only case in in British paranormal history that the that the Warrens didn't investigate. Oh, well, give them time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the sequel. Yeah, uh, conjuring three. They're conjuring through the doing Borley. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so you know what was what was interesting too is is on Ghost Chronicles, uh, the morning edition this week. Uh, I had uh, demonologist uh, Keith Johnson. Uh, you might remember him from the Ghost Hunters. He was on the first couple episodes of the Ghost Hunters. And he's been on Ghost Chronicles International. Yes, and he, he he's, uh, was a member of TAPS. And, uh, and, we t- and he talked about the uh, stages of a demonic haunting, which was interesting uh, because you, it, they actually vary a little bit from, uh, well, I think quite a bit from a regular haunting. So I, I thought that was intriguing. He's going to be up at uh, Spirit Quest as well and be talking more about this. It's, so it's kind of interesting when you blend all these different, I mean, we try to pigeonhole you. I think you're right on it. I think we try to like, oh, this is this or this is this. And and that's just, I think it's just a, a way to try to, cla- not to class, but try to explain uh, what is going on? You know, for instance, well, we, para- we, we love psychologists. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, we love law, we love order, don't we? In in all things, and this goes. I mean, you look at the EVPs, um, and you think of Ravdeva's attempt to classify Class A, Class B, Class C, etc. And many people, you know, have applied those classification categories, a separation out of. Um, individual types of events into pigeonholes, or, or, or so you so you have the poltergeist, which is separate from the demon, which is separate from the haunter. Um, in actual fact, the, the the documents show that what you're dealing with is a continuum of human experiences. Mm-hmm. And and I agree 
totally with you. I mean, it's like, you know, parapsychologists saying that, you know, the there's a young child, so therefore it's poltergeist activity, and she's causing or he's causing all the activity. And it's almost accepted, like it's not, you know, it really hasn't been proven. And it's certainly, even if it was the case, it would still be paranormal, but they use this as an explanation for things. See, it's not paranormal, it's really just a uh, poltergeist, which is just uh, telekinesis, which is just, you know, you know what I'm getting at, right? Well, yeah, I mean, that whole thing, I think, comes from Bill Roll, the parapsychologist William Roll, uh, who, who, who put forward this hypothesis, this idea, uh, because he'd noticed that in, in many of the poltergeist cases that he'd been involved with and he'd studied, that there was a predominance of pubescent children, you know, sort of teen, early teens. Um, and he, he put forward this idea. However, there are a lot of cases that don't support that. And it, it is a mistake by parapsychologists and a mistake that's then repeated by investigators and by the by the television shows to automatically uh, they've thought they've seen it as an easy out you know oh well there must be you know it, it can't be paranormal it's the you know the raging teen angst and and which the, in itself, the poster guys is just yeah. what yeah. they... Yeah, of course, it's not paranormal. The 60-pound gas fi- uh, fire, uh, cast iron fire pl- uh, fire mantle ripped itself off the wall purely due to telepathy, but that's not paranormal, so we don't need to worry about that. The girls did it. It's an easy out for parapsychologists and uh, the, cynical, the cynical branch of parapsychology who is always seeking to apportion um, a non-paranormal explanation on stuff. I mean, I've sat and listened to a parapsychologist trying to explain uh, when asked paranormal phenomena and go, well, Anybody that's not paranormal. Anybody I know? Um, Louis Sava? Um, no. Sorry. He was, he was, he was on, on an episode of Most Haunted as the uh, on the couch, the couch parapsychologist, and he denied several times um, that what was taking place on camera was paranormal. Now, I didn't disagree with that part. But his, his explanation is it wasn't paranormal because it was telepathy. Ah, there you go. <laughs> no, so yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we accept that as an everyday occurrence. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is, there is good, there is good um, research that suggests that we should take uh, telepathy and psi seriously as a, a human seriously. as a human ability but to then turn around and go well it, you know whatever's happening isn't paranormal because it's it, it's a demonstration of telepathy is a de- is actually a demonstration of a parapsychologist talking rubbish I, I kind of agree with you on that. Yeah. And, the, you know, there are many examples of parapsychologists and, and ghost investigators when faced with trying to explain something that, they, you know, is beyond them, they resort to, uh, well, gibberish, basically. You know, I mean, we've, we've got the, the, the supersonic the supersonic fly, which I think you've seen me use in a presentation, uh, where on camera, um, on, a, on a TV program, Most Haunted here in the UK... Uh, one of the presenters was, uh, gained a small scratch, and the parapsychologist, when confronted with the video of the scratch seemingly appearing, su- suggested that one possibility might be that a small insect was flying by very quickly, uh, bumped into the presenter's head, and scratched him as it went past. Yeah. I think that's Karen O'Keefe. 
Uh, well, it was. Um, and now, you could be a bit nerdy about this, but which I, I, I got. And um, I did some mathematics on the sort of fly population of uh, how fast they would go using skin ballistic studies. And the fly was doing about three times the speed of sound, which might explain go. the might explain the infrasonic boom that wasn't heard by anybody <laughs> as the fly went through the sound barrier. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, even Karen admits that wasn't his finest. Uh, it wasn't his finest hour. No, no. Yeah. But, but nonetheless, he you know he did it on camera. Um, yeah. And who am I to you know not pick holes in such a? You know, well, a, I have to admit I've done some silly things on camera myself, so I'm not going to judge anyone. <laughs> I. I, I, I I'm fortunate, I guess. Um, I, I didn't. My mistakes never made it to. They got lost on the cutting room floor. Really? Yeah. We well, see. I, 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 I've always said I'm. I'm really fortunate compared to the modern generation of investigators because you know when we started thirty, twenty something years ago. Um, YouTube, Facebook, social media didn't exist. There was no. There was no. Um, pressure to put stuff online we couldn't put stuff online um so all our mistakes were made you know without the glare of publicity so we we got away with probably murder speaking of papal death masks oh okay uh, i was i was actually going to tell you something else but that's all right go ahead yeah i'm just um i was well, what, what inspired that is, as I looked up on the top of the bookshelf, is a, um, a plaster bust of Giovanni Paolo II. Mm-hmm. Um, but a recent acquisition is how about a um, pottery, so plaster, I guess, mm-hmm. um, uh, moulded by an artist, uh, head of a murderer, mm. which is a new acquisition only this very week. Well, there you go, Mr. Parsons. Uh, it weighs it so, up to, uh, I, 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 I didn't notice. Th- I didn't notice that on the uh, the uh, Edinburgh uh, Fortinian Society page at, at all. I mean, that you keeping that to yourself? Uh, yeah, well, it's a brand new acquisition, uh, along with you know, along with a few Pokemon. Um, yeah. Did, did you see the picture? Speaking of um, and Peter Popper. Yeah, Peter, but no, nothing from Peter this week. But did you see um, the picture I posted on my Facebook page, copied to Anne Kerrigan's and tagged you in it, of a discovery we made whilst taking the youngsters? The graves. Pokemon- yeah, grave, graveyard, um, gravestone henge, grave henge. Um, in Pembroke Dock, West Wales, uh, there's a, a, a public park. And in it, there's a sign that says grave henge. So it was a Pokemon stop. That's why we went there. And... Uh, there, there were around about 3,000 headstones uh, arranged in a double row around the perimeter of this football, uh, football not soccer pitch-sized uh, field. And into the centre of it was this large circle um, of gravestones arranged um, with an avenue leading off in a replica of Stonehenge. And then in the centre of that were um, the, the more traditional uh, box-shaped tombs forming these uh, and then the uh, different column shaped headstones 
um, as the different sort of stones of Stonehenge. I cannot find anything about it. Um, I was just going to ask you if you did some research. Yeah, I have. I have been. I've been struggling. I, I even phoned up the local authority, the local council, um, and they're. I'm waiting for a call back. They, Don't they have a historic to... society or anything in town? Uh, no, uh, nobody seems to know why. Now, one suggestion, the best suggestion or the best idea, came from a um, a, a local uh, who suggested that what we were dealing with is uh, about. 20 years ago they demolished a church to make way for an industrial park and they had several thousand headstones left over um, from from the graveyard when they'd relocated all the bodies mm-hmm. and that they've used them in this manner now that that fits because the yeah, nature of the headstones yeah. is such that most of them are maritime and the grave the the, the churchyard in uh, atlanian the what the one that they t- took away um, was a uh, the churchyard for the naval dockyard mm-hmm. at Pembroke Dock. So I think we are dealing with. But what's you know you've got graves that uh, Tim says are mostly Victorian, somewhere earlier the Georgian, but there's a few 17th century ones as well. Well, the interesting thing about you know gravestones and graves that they they just didn't dig a hole and drop you in it. I mean you had to lay a certain way east to west and. That is uh, was extremely important, and I believe uh, maybe in the Jewish it's the reverse. Uh, we know that uh, we, we went to uh, Spidergate. We had that same thing. There was all gravestones going one way, and there were two that went the opposite way, like they were. Well, so it, there's a lot about um, burials that we take for granted or don't even think about, and yet there's reason behind them. Well, one of the things that I don't think many people realise here in the UK is that you, although you can buy your grave plot, you don't buy it in perpetuity. Um, I guess if you're very rich, you might do. Um, but you, you, you buy it for a period of usually 99 years, and then, of course, they come along and, you know, by which time the person inside. Well, no, they've basically been forgotten about. You slap another layer on top, and we've got, we've got churchyards here in the UK where uh, the church wall is holding back you know, maybe eight, nine, ten feet of earth, which is consecutive burials one upon another. Oh, wow. Now, uh, isn't that where the catacombs come from? Didn't they, like, run out of room and then they... They, they did in Paris. The they did in Paris, and we don't have anything like that here in the UK. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, French uh, in Paris and in Rome and in other European cities, they have the catacombs. But what we have here is just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon of burials. And if you go into some of the... You know, often in country graveyards uh, here in the UK, the, the retaining wall. Uh, we've had some, you know, we've had some fairly severe weather, and the retaining wall is burst and spewed forth a, a, a mass of mud and bones. Um, and of course, you get the animals digging them up. But what you discover is that there's you know, that that wall is holding back a a literal mound, uh, uh, you know, of of bones and, and earth because they just pile one on top of the other over the over the centuries. Right. And there's other things that people come that, you know, so many misnomers about cemeteries, you know, they'll come across a small stone and they believe it's a child stone. But in reality, it was just a footstone. Uh, yeah, or just a small time. stone because, the, you know, the family might have been too poor. Yeah, to but we had footstones too, a lot of those. In yeah, the, well, we did too. But yeah. you know, often you, you will find that the family either couldn't afford or could afford a very small inscribed stone. And, of course, it's a very modern practice because of the the recency of um, cremation just to have a small memorial tablet as opposed right. to a full headstone because burial has gone very much out of fashion. 
um, in favour of cremation. Um, and these other more bizarre forms where they, you know, they stick you in the ground and pop a tree on you, on top of you. Well, they can actually make you into a diamond now, so it just kind of... Yeah, they can shoot you into space and they can... Shoot you into space. In fact, here, make you into fireworks and all manner of weird stuff. There you go. That's that's so... We went to, several years ago, uh, there's a haunting sort of story attached to this. For for many years, for several years, we we went um, in the middle of July to Marston Moor, which is the site of an English Civil War battle. Oh, absolutely. The one was fought in the sky. 14, no, that was Edge Hill. Uh, Hill Marston Moor was fought in 1644 um, in mid-July, uh, round about American Independence, so 4th or 5th of July. And we used to make an annual pilgrimage there to uh, visit the site and to spend the evening there because... Is that when the king was killed? No. Uh, Damn. That was... No, it's a different one again. Um, ah. Because the local... Legend is that nobody would visit, none of the locals would visit the battlefield on the anniversary of the battle. So, of course, being because of the spirits and apparitions that would appear. So, of course, we did. Gosh. And what, one year, um, we, we were there and we were trying to find the spirits from amongst the 500 reenactors who had turned up and were parading around, um, who paraded up from the village uh, behind a large cannon which they proceeded to erect and set up, and then they all stood in a line. They loaded the, the, the shot. The shot actually was the uh, ashes of their former adjutant. Um, oh, really? Whose desire was to have his ashes shot across the battlefield on a, uh, by a cannon. So they, they'd arranged all this, and they hadn't really figured out the wind very much that day. Oh, no. Um, and the 250 assembled troops of uh, His Majesty's Royal Army uh, all got a bit. Um, a bit of the captain. A bit of the adjutant who they shot into wind. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you know, it happens. Yeah, the ballistics weren't great that night. Somebody, uh, the gunners could have done better. But what was interesting, we actually found some genuine artefacts from the battle um, whilst we were just walking around, just lying the on the surface. Yeah, the adjutant was there, so you well, he was obviously there, but I mean, the yeah, pottery, pottery, musket balls, um, you know, all manner of cool stuff from the battle because it's constantly, it was agricultural land then, it's still in agricultural use now, and of course it gets continually ploughed over. Um, and in, you, can, you can often find um, bits of the battle mem- uh, memorabilia. Hmm, pretty cool. So, anyways, that's. Uh... Yeah, when you were on the battlefield, I mean, did you were you able to um, get anything as far as evidence or or feelings or anything? Well, well, what you what you did have, of course, is the feelings of the the people that were there, and and yes, we did have some unusual incidents take place. Um, people thought that they'd seen things or that they'd heard sounds. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, non, no, nothing that was truly spectacular or that would make you, you know, sort of go, "Oh my God, I've just seen." But there were certainly moments where we 
questioned what had just taken place and have never really been able to explain. But in fairness, we haven't been, you know, it was an annual pilgrimage. It was about uh, a 200-mile round trip. So it wasn't something we were able to visit on a a weekly basis to put ideas to the sort of in-depth testing that we would normally like. But they were certainly, they certainly appeared to be intriguing and entirely in keeping with the sort of experiences that people living locally and uh, visiting the battlefield or or, or, or travelling over the battlefield on a on a daily basis were experiencing too. So yes, so certainly a lot of questions were left unanswered, and I would hesitate to say, given and having spoken to some of the witnesses, first-hand uh, witnesses, mm-hmm. uh, certainly something I would I would be very hesitant to be dismissive of. Very interesting. There's the bell, which means we've got to wrap it up and uh, say goodbye to everyone. But uh, you, believe it or not, it's not going to be too long before you're over here. Five weeks and change. Five weeks. That's amazing. And it all starts off with Spirit Quest, uh, September 23rd through the 25th. Check us out at indiegosproject.com. Uh, I've got a lot, a lot of interest in that right now, and, and there's so many cool things that are going on. It's called Angel and Demons. There's a, uh, a uh, Da Vinci Code ghost hunt, which will be interesting, and uh, you become, for those who spend the weekend, become symbologists and, and look for the missing relic, and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. There's, uh, you know, Keith Johnson will be there from Ghost Hunters and Wendy Red, and we'll be there, the girl we just had on the show as well. I'll be doing a thing on the Shroud of Turing. I actually have a replica of the Shroud of Turing there, and uh, it's going to be neat. Uh, we're going to talk about exorcisms, uh, Maureen and I. And no, 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 no. We're going to be doing better than just talking. Oh, you will be doing an exorcism. I no, wait, wait, wait. We have, uh, well, you have to have a respondent. Oh, God. Okay. What else you got me into? No. <laughs> So, uh, yes, we will be sending everybody home fully blessed and exercised. That's a good thing, I think. We don't, we, 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 yeah, well, we don't want any lingering you know, malcontents or people taking anything at home that they shouldn't. Mm. Okay. So, anyways, uh, tune in next week when we'll be back, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Can we have a night off? <laughs> yeah, so anyways, uh, from Stephen, well, from me, I'll say good night and God bless. And from Ron, good night and God bless. There you go. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good Lord.